Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season on the podcast, we're pausing to remember and reflect. Remember the key people and events in the good and hard seasons of life, and reflect on God's provision, goodness, and grace. We will hear from old and new friends, even some that are no longer living about God's unchanging nature through it all. Today on the podcast, we are chatting with our new friend, Caitlin Elliott, who is podcast host of the show, So What Else? She is so full of wisdom, full of life, a great conversation, and just um, a wonderful, deep, rich story about how God has been faithful through the difficult things in her life. So slap on some sunscreen because it's going to be a warm one today. Do whatever you need to do and enjoy today's episode. All right, we're all recording. So here's your official welcome to the Work Friends podcast. Now you can be kind of an unofficial work friend too, so... (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, and so for our listeners, Caitlin... I mean, we were, we're sharing with some, some close people. They're like, so who's coming on the podcast? Like, can you give us some of the tea a little earlier? And we're like <laughs> telling some people, and we have a couple people from the States coming on this season. And they're like, how the heck did you find them? And I was just like, the internet. <laughs> yes. The internet is a crazy place, yeah. right? Yeah. Meet some cool people. So yeah, got a message from Kaylin and it was just so perfect. We've been planning this season for like really a long, a time. long time, like over a year, it's kind of taken some different shapes, but you know, it just was like such great timing that your story kind of fits in with some of the things that we're talking about. So yeah, we're pretty excited about that. You guys are very organized <laughs> and you're like ahead of the game. Like I've had some weeks where I'm like, Oh Lord, like who am I having on Monday? <laughs> but like when we started chatting, you guys were like, so like, we're about like a month, two months out. I was like, yo, goals you guys are also <laughs> I think like with our workload I'm like this is the best way for us to do this or else we yeah. get a little too yeah. scrambly we so. fill them in in the seasons that are are less busy and like last season we had some like moments of like well we got nothing for Monday so uh so guess it's me and you too. telling Joe yeah, yeah. <laughs> those moments do come yeah so, so no worries well we always like to ask our guests some fun facts just to get to know some things about you so we have some fun questions that we like to ask everyone and first off is where did you grow up so I grew up in New Jersey in the United States so <laughs> I'm still I'm here now um I did take a stint And I lived in Colorado for four years. Mm. So that was my only time leaving New Jersey. But I grew up in Jersey in, like, the land of the Sopranos. Like, you know, all of, like, Jersey Shore. (laughs) All of those terrible shows are unfortunately kind of true. Mm. And, you know, don't judge me too much. It's okay. We have this show called Letterkenny. And... (laughs) I've heard of that. That's Letter, about Letter Kenny is based off of the town that we work and live in that I grew up in. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. So it's literally Letter Kenny. Okay. Is, claim to fame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A kind of fame. Not all. I mean, they say all publicity is good publicity, but yeah, I don't know. I always tell people don't, if you watch it, don't. Don't judge. It's yeah. It's yeah. Anyway. So Same yeah, space. it's okay. We understand the, yeah. In all the good and bad stereotypes, 
some are true. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's, it, that's what I thought was so funny when Jersey Shore came out and people were like enraged by it. Like, this is not an accurate representation of New Jersey. All these people are actually from Staten Island and not from New Jersey. And everyone was like flipping out. And I was kind of like, I mean, in all honesty, it's not that far off. Like, is it a slight <laughs> exaggeration? Sure. Was it like completely fabricated out of thin air? No. <laughs> like, let's be honest here, guys. It's okay. Yeah. We can own it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Can relate. Can relate. <laughs> what would be your ideal day? Ooh, we were just talking about this on an episode of my podcast the other day. And I, I think like at the season of life I'm in right now, my ideal day would be like a spa day slash laying at a pool slash beach. Mm. But I just want to be like horizontal, like relaxing in a beautiful setting. That's my per- perfect day at this juncture. Mm, yeah. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be? Ooh. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> The first one is dumb because it's like she's like an Instagram influencer. Do you know the rambling redhead? Yes, I love her. Oh my gosh. She's like my favorite person. I genuinely am like my friend Jen Todrick, who I don't know. You sound like my mom. But like (laughs) – She says it all the time. So I would love to have dinner with her. Okay. I would love to have dinner with Dax Shepard mm. because I'm obsessed with Parenthood. That's like my actual favorite show. Right. He's basically my favorite character on the show. And I also love his podcast. And then I feel like the last one, I'm supposed to say Jesus, right? <laughs> That's what everyone always says. That. I have to say Jesus, right? <laughs> Is that the right answer? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like Jesus, God, the Bible. Like, you know, the Sunday school answer. Yeah. But no, I would. I mean yeah. it. That's genuine. Yeah. And I feel like, too, when you see that, it's like adding Jesus into the mix of anyone else. Like Jesus and Dax Shepherd at a table together. Like who doesn't want Heaven. that? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. What would you say is the best place you've ever been to? Ooh, okay. So I studied abroad in college for a summer in Italy, in Florence, but we went to Venice for a weekend. And I remember thinking like, this is fake. Like this has to be the coolest Mm. thing I've ever seen in my life. Because, you know, you hear like, ooh, the streets are water and people ride boats from – and you're like, but not really though. Like that can't be how it really is. And then I was like, that's how it really is. Like this is so wild. Mm. Feels like you're in a fairy tale. Yes, for sure. So I think that was the coolest place I've ever been. Okay. If you had a parallel life – so it's not like we used to ask people – if, you know, if you weren't doing what you were doing, what would you be doing? But then you feel like you have to miss out on the things you love. So your whole life is complete. True. You don't have to give away anything that you love about your life, but you get like a second parallel life. What would you want it to look like? Oh my gosh. Okay. I don't know. This is hard. Okay. <sighs> a parallel life. What would I be doing? Honestly, like this is going to sound so dumb, but like Because I am, I do podcast and I am a podcaster, but like some degree of like podcasting, like on speed. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like where it's like, I'm not just like fitting it in into the crevices of my life. Like, you know what I mean? Like if this is what I could be focusing, like truly my life, like on, you know what I mean? And like have like people to help me do the parts I don't want to do, you know, (laughs) things like that. You know what I mean? Just like travel around and talk to people. Yeah. Yeah, you just get to have the conversations and somebody else takes care of the rest. 
yeah, like someone else does all the like scheduling and all the other yeah, stuff. That would be sweet. So what are your favorite podcasts? Okay, so a favorite of mine for years has always been the happy hour with Jamie Ivy. I was gonna say you kind of remind me for a little bit, so that's funny. Oh my gosh, a compliment. Thank You're you. <laughs> I love the relevant podcast. Mm. I think they're hysterical. Uh, I like Dax Shepard. And then I also do like just like, okay, when I'm just feeling like I just need something so dumb that is just like there is nothing that's like helping me in my life. Like this is just like background noise. I will listen to um, like Cheryl Burke from like Dancing with the Stars. She did like this season after Dancing with the Stars. She did recaps after every episode and I loved those. (laughs) I think it's called like Pretty Messed Up or something. Sometimes I'll listen to Caitlin Bristow from The Bachelorette just to do like Bachelorette recaps when I just want to like numb out to something really dumb. Right, yeah. Just embrace it now. That's awesome. You know? Okay, cool. (laughs) Well, I feel like we've gotten a little bit of a sneak peek into your life, but aside from those kind of random fun facts, tell us a little bit about yourself and what life looks like for you. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Caitlin. Um, I have been married to my husband, Scott, for like eight and a half years-ish. I hope I said that right. (laughs) I think. I love you. Uh, And then I have two daughters. Jace is five and Emerson is three. We live in New Jersey. Um, I am a stay-at-home mom and I podcast during nap time. (laughs) And... uh, what else? I mean, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I was a pastor's wife for a while. Now my husband has a construction company. So that's kind of me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's amazing. Thanks so much for taking this <laughs> nap time schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Spending it with us. It's awesome. My kids have gotten really good at it. Like I'll be like, okay, during nap today, mommy's doing a podcast. If you happen to wake up bef- and I'm not done yet, just help yourself to the remote in the living room and I'll be up in a minute. There's water and snacks for you there. Like I'm like a flight attendant. Yes. I'm like, this is what we like go over everything before they go down. They're like, we got it, mom. We got it's it. Amazing. So they're well-trained at this Perfect. point. Amazing. Awesome. <laughs> well, I would love to hear, um, what was growing up like for you? We are going to like dive into, um, yeah, like your story and whatnot and touch on some pretty difficult seasons, but set the stage for us. What was growing up like for you? Okay. So I was a pastor's kid. So that's like, you know, a whole thing. I will say that I don't think that I have a lot of that like pastor's kid baggage. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's like a very popular storyline is like, you know, she was a pastor's kid and then she went like totally crazy because she was stifled her whole life. That wasn't really me. I mean, of course I wasn't perfect in my like teenage young adult years, but I felt like I liked my church that I grew up in. It didn't bother me that my dad was a pastor. Like I liked my church family, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I was happy Mm -hmm. and like well-adjusted, you know, as well-adjusted as you can be. But, um, so my dad became the pastor of the church when I was like in kindergarten, you know? So that was pretty much all I knew. I had, um, an older brother and two younger sisters. Um, but my older brother had, a lot of struggles from, from a very, very young age. I think that my parents kind of first became aware of it, honestly, when I was born and started like communicating and socializing. And they were kind of like, Joe doesn't really do that. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not really how like he's been progressing. And, you know, for a while it's that whole like, well, boys are different than girls thing, you know, but 
anyway, as like life went on, it became like very clear that he did have a lot of like emotional, mental issues. Like he um, ended up at just like a lot, a lot of different doctors. And, you know, at the time, diagnosis, diagnoses, whatever, for like certain not blaringly obvious like mental illnesses or emotional illnesses weren't as easy to get. Mm. You know what I mean? So it took a long time for them to ever get any clarity. And to be honest, they never had like 100% clarity. But essentially, like he dealt with some depression, some ADD. um, But the biggest glaringly obvious thing was that he had very, very crippling OCD. And then later on, um, they kind of met with a doctor that said that he actually, you know, it seemed like he really had Asperger's as well, Mm -hmm. which isn't really necessarily a diagnosis they give anymore. Now they just kind of umbrella it all under autism. And so Asperger's would be like on like the mild end of the spectrum of autism. Um, So he was like very, very smart, but just struggled socially, like struggled with eye contact, struggled to pick up on sarcasm, Mm. um, struggled to keep up in a conversation if there was like a lot of voices and it was, you know what I mean? Um, So that, but the OCD was like for sure crippling and definitely impacted his like daily life all day, every day. Like the way his clothes felt, um, he had obsession about bugs and obsession about like the doors being locked, um, comfort things, you know, like his bed being a certain way or whatever. And it was like hard and apparent, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it was like, it impacted a lot of things about my family. You know what I mean? Like getting out the door, going certain places, you know, whatever, like there was like a lot to that. So because of that, I, even though I wasn't the oldest, I felt like the oldest, you know what I mean? Because I felt like, and you know, it's, it's so hard. It's one of those things like, was it your Enneagram number? Was it your birth order? Was it your whatever? So it's like all of those things kind of come together. So like, I'm a one on the Enneagram. So I'm already like a very like organized perfectionist lists. Like this is how things go. But then you tack onto that, you know, like I have an older brother that has like issues that he's dealing with that I don't, I didn't have social struggles, you know, and things like that. And I didn't have like a mental illness. So I, and also being a girl, I was like very social, like I could express myself pretty easily. And so I kind of found myself trying to like watch out for him, even though he was older than me. Mm -hmm. Like I remember we started a new elementary school at one point and like the first few weeks we sat together on the bus and then I made friends. And there was one day that I sat with my friends on the bus and I felt guilty that like I left him. Mm. You know what I mean? Which isn't necessarily usual for like a younger sibling to worry. Like, you know, I felt very aware of like, where is he sitting? Who is he talking to? You know, things like Mm -hmm. that. So, but you know, it's not at all to say like, oh my gosh, it's such a hard childhood. Like not at all. You know what I mean? Like he was my brother. We played video games, like whatever. You know what I mean? Like we went to youth group together, all the things he would tease me, you know. Yeah we still had like a regular relationship, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Definitely as we got older, teenage years for him were really tough. You know, like he did, I want to say he did all right in high school socially. You know, he was in like marching band and things like that. So he was able to kind of find where like he fit, like he had an activity, you know. Um, When he started at college, he was doing – really well. And then I even remember having some kind of like classic 
situations with him where he really was like a big brother to me. Like I started at the college that he was at a few years after him. And I remember him taking me to campus like the summer before, giving me like a tour, showing me where the library was, helping me find my books for my classes. So he was like doing really well for a while. You know, he had kind of like found a medication that was working for him, you know, found like a doctor that was working for him and he was doing well. And then a few years into college, he just like really hit a wall that we really can't explain, you know, that nothing that we know of like specifically happened, but he really hit a wall and he like dropped out of school, quit his job and just really, really like went into himself and, uh, became very, very depressed. You know, my parents tried everything from just like different doctors to different medications to like breaks from medications to all of the things, you know, um, Christian counselors, not Christian counselors, Mm. like whatever, you know, like all of the things. Um, And he just like was really, really, really struggling. And he went into like a very deep, deep depression. And it was kind of around the time where I graduated college and then moved out to Colorado. So during his last three years, I was living in Colorado. I was, you know, out there, I was teaching, I was dating my now husband, then we were engaged, then we got married, you know, so I would come home to visit and be very struck by his, like, how much he had deteriorated since Mm -hmm. the last time I saw him, you know what I mean? Like, every time it would be kind of jarring, and then there was one year in particular where I was living in Colorado where... I got a phone call from one of my little sisters and they basically said like an ambulance is here. They, something happened with Joe and they took, and he was admitted to a mental hospital. So, and he was there for, I want to say a month. And then I came home to visit for Thanksgiving and he got released like right when I was home. And it was like this like very beautiful, happy moment that like our whole family was together. Joe seemed like he'd been doing a little better. Like it seemed like whatever they had been able to do for him at the hospital was like helping, you know. Um, But, you know, I just, like I said, I remember when I would visit, I would see him do things and it would be like, gosh, he's so much worse Mm. than the last time, you know, like his OCD started to take over to the point where it would cause him to like basically have breaks with reality, you know, because his mind was so exhausted from the obsession. So like there's a huge spectrum of OCD. You know what I mean? I actually in my adult life through meeting with therapists and stuff like that have been told that like I have some version of OCD. You know what I mean? In the way that I will like I'll spiral over certain like social situations or, you know, and then I'll get like big anxiety over things. And it's like, because I'm, I get stuck in a, in a mental loop about stuff. Mm-hmm. But I can still function in my life. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't stop me from getting from point A to point B. It might give me anxiety. It might stress me out. It might, you know, make me feel really like off center. Mm. But I can function. He could not function. Like it was at the point where I remember I was home one time visiting. I was reading a book on the couch and I could see him in the next room watching TV. 
And he like laid down and he's watching TV. Then he got up. He picked up all the pillows to check under them for like bugs or whatever. Put them all back down, laid back down, got up, checked again, Mm. laid back down, got up, moved to a different couch, checked, got up, got down. Like, and I remember just watching him and like my heart was racing because I was just like, this is how he lives like every single day. And it's how he did everything. Like if he was leaving the house, he would check to make sure he had his keys in his wallet and his phone. Not just like, you know, me, like I'll check like two or three times and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so OCD. I'm checking again. You know what I mean? But he, it was like 20 minutes, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Of just like looking and opening, making sure his, his, is his license in his wallet? He would check. Then he would check again. Then he would check again. Sometimes he'd go out to his cart. Then he'd come back in and do it again. Mm -hmm. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And so it was just like, it was really, really bad. And so at the end, there would be times where he would say things like he was scared to drive because he was scared that he wasn't going to be able to find his way back home. But my mom would say like, but Joe, like we've lived here our entire lives. You know how to get home. But he'd be like, yeah, but what if there's this? Then I won't be able to find my way home. Do you know what I mean? Like he would get stuck in his Mm -hmm. head, like a fear, and he would be so obsessed with it that then he just couldn't even go. So then toward the end, he wouldn't drive. Like he wouldn't, he was just scared of everything, of things that could go wrong. And um, it became just like really, really bad. And the day where he was taken to the mental hospital was basically that, you know, like he had woken my parents up in the night and told them that he was like, I don't trust myself. I think I turned on all the gas in the house. Mm. But they went downstairs and checked and there was nothing on. So it was like he had this very weird thing at the end where he was like scared that he was going to do something violent, but like he was like actually the gentlest like lamb of a person that ever existed. And like we all knew like he never would, you know what I mean? But he thought that he did. It was very strange. Mm. And so in talking to a doctor one day, they had basically said like you – like this is like – probably like a bigger deal than you think it is. Cause you, you're sitting there like, we know our son, he would never do anything, but like, you don't know, like when you're dealing with people who aren't mentally like stable, you don't know, you know what I mean? So it's really important that he go somewhere and get stable on medication so that he's not like having breaks with reality where he thinks he turned all the gas on in the house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's really dangerous. So it was just like really, really tense yeah you know at the end very 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 tense and just you know crazy just a lot of a lot a lot of stress you know like when my parents would come visit me in Colorado like they were he was 27 28 years old and they were really really worried about him the whole time Mm -hmm. you know like um he wouldn't come out to visit because that was too much for him you know to like fly and all of that, like that would be too much, but they would like call home all the time and like check and like, you know, talk him down off the ledge off things. Like it was just like a lot. And so honestly, like my parents had gotten to a point where I think that they felt like we don't know what there is left to do. Like they were Mm -hmm. spending any spare penny they had, like getting him to the best doctors. And in the end he was meeting with like the 
supposedly like the best OCD doctor that New Jersey like had to offer. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. she had like, she was doing like the best, you know, therapies and things like that. He was on meds, you know, all this stuff. And I think my parents were definitely in a place where they were like, if this does not work with this doctor, we don't know what we are going to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were definitely like at the end of themselves and on, Sunday, September 21st, uh, 2014, my parents were at church and my mom, you know, my mom's like very like introverted, like she's quiet. She's a little more shy. And like that Sunday at church, she like went forward and was like weeping and praying, like just like for the Lord to bring like some kind of healing to my brother and just some kind of relief, you know, from his struggle And later that day, that night, my dad was like asking Joe, like, let's go for a walk. Like, let's go do something. And he was like, I can't, I really can't. Like, I just can't dad. And so then my dad was like, all right, well, you have to take a shower then, you know, because that was a really hard thing. Showering was hard for him because he felt like he could never get all the soap off. Mm -hmm. So he would like get out of the shower, get back in, get out of the shower, get back in, get out, get up. It was like, it would take him like an hour. So my dad was like, listen, like, you have to take a shower, you know, whatever. So he was doing that. He got out of the shower and he was having trouble breathing. And um, my dad thought like, okay, like you're just having anxiety. Like you're, you know, sit down, take a deep breath. And he could not catch his breath. And basically, you know, I'll spare all the details. Essentially what happened was he ended up passing a massive clot from his leg to his lung And he essentially died in my father's arms, like on the spot in his bedroom, just like completely unexpected. Like none of us obviously knew he had any like medical underlying issues. We knew there were mental issues. We didn't know that he had any, you know, anything like that. Um, I was on the phone with my sister when it happened. I was out in Colorado, you know. It was just the most, like, shocking, horrible, like, none of us in a million years anticipated this. You know, we had no idea. And obviously, at first, we didn't have a cause of death at first. So, of course, initially, everyone's thinking, did he overdose on his medicine? Like, what happened here? You know, thank God, within a week, we were able to get a cause of death. And they were able to tell us this was like a completely freak Mm -hmm. thing, you know? Um, and then it basically just brought us from a life of having a brother and a son that was very mentally ill, you know, that we were all, you know, it impacted us emotionally Mm -hmm. and we worried about him and we prayed for him to then into this life of grief Right. And it was just so, so disorienting, you know, and Mm -hmm. that year my sister was getting married and, you know, they decided like, of course, we're going to push on with that and still get married. But it was very, very difficult celebrating this like beautiful family thing without Joe there. And it was so messy. My husband and I ended up moving back from Colorado. So... Mm -hmm. It was really, really, really 
hard and just so shocking, you know? Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm really sorry. I know, like, from how long ago was that? So that was in 2014. Okay, yeah. So, like, eight year, years-ish, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm really sorry that, yeah, the ripple effects of all those things impacts you, right, and your immediate family, yeah. and, and I'm sure people beyond that. That is really, mm-hmm. really difficult. Um, yeah, I I think... Yeah. How how have you then since then walked through this journey of grief? Because I think grief is something that, you know, we sometimes talk about during different holidays or whatever it is. But in the day to day, when you're going through it, it is it can be very isolating. So mm-hmm. how has that journey for you been? And I know that's probably like a huge, like big question. So take no, it out, no. please. But yeah, how is that Absolutely. for you? Absolutely. No, it's so crazy because grief is so weird. It's like not, you know, like the the whole like time heals all wounds thing is so, I don't want to be like it's not true because that sounds so like depressing. Mm -hmm. It's true in the sense that like does the shock wear off? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like the fact that I was just able to like sit here and look at you and say like this is what happened, you know, and I didn't break down in tears. Like, look, at this point, it's been eight years of me like repeating the story. Like it's not shocking to me Mm. anymore. I know what happened, you know, so like does the shock of it wear off? Absolutely. But the grief is so strange because, you know, the first year was awful. Like those memories are seared into my mind, you know, like hearing on the phone call, talking to my dad on the Mm -hmm. phone and he was, you know, like falling apart. Like I'll never forget that. I'll never forget like my husband and I literally got on like a red eye and then got back home in the really, really early hours and like walking into the kitchen and seeing my family for the first time. Mm -hmm. The the viewing, the funeral. Then when I had to go back to Colorado, my first day back at work and I was a teacher at the time. And so like all my students like were so precious and they were like, we're so sorry. And they wrote me cards and stuff like that. But I was like desperately trying not to fall apart just to get through the day. Like those memories are seared in my mind Mm. as like so awful and terrible, you know? And so that was awful that first year, mm-hmm. right? Like every single thing, the first Christmas, mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. Easter, his first birthday, Mother's Day, Father's Day, like true like agony mm-hmm. on those days. So has it gotten better over time? Sure. But at the same time, you know, yesterday was his birthday. And, you know, my family, we always like acknowledge like the – um, anniversary of his death and like his birthday and we get together. And I yesterday like could not keep it together. I surprised myself. Like I truly was in tears on and off the whole day, Mm -hmm. like dropping off my child at school, picking her up at school, driving her to dance. Like I was teary the whole day, Mm -hmm. you know, and it really just like took me by surprise. And I think that it just depends. I think part of the reason maybe I was more emotional is because my daughter, now that she's five, she's becoming more and more aware. And I talk to her about Mm. it. And I say, you know, today it's my brother's birthday. And it was like the first time that she was really, because we have, we've told her for years, you know, that like mommy has a brother in heaven and my husband, Scott 
also has a sister who passed away. So we tell her, you know, like mommy has a brother in heaven and daddy has a sister in heaven. And so she's like known that for a long time. But now that she's five, I think was the first time that she was like, oh, and like, she was like, so wait, if he was your brother, who's his mom? And I was like, my mom, Nani. And she was like, yeah. Okay. So why, why does he live in heaven? Mm -hmm. And I I was, you know, I don't know. Sometimes just people go live there with Jesus, like before other people, you know, and we don't really know like why certain people go earlier than other people, but that's just like what happens sometimes. And she was like, well, I don't want you to go yet. Mm -hmm. You know? And I was like, you don't worry about that, you know, because I didn't want to lie to her and say like, that's never going to happen because like, that's a lie, you know? But I was like, I don't want you to worry about that. You don't need to worry about that, you know? Um, but I think those conversations with her really like threw me off, like not in a bad way necessarily, but just Mm -hmm. thinking about it a lot, just entering in a lot, you know what I mean? And, um, I just, I don't know. So I struggled a lot yesterday. So again, I don't want to lie to people and be like, soon you'll wake up one day and like your grief will be gone and it'll be over and it won't matter. And you'll only remember the happy (laughs) things. Like that's just not reality. You know what I mean? Like it's not, I, I interviewed a woman for my podcast a few weeks ago whose son died, uh, seven or eight years ago from a drug addiction. And she got very emotional and she said, you know, there are times where I can do interviews about him and not cry at all. And I feel very matter of fact about it. And I feel hopeful about it and whatever. And she was like, and then there's times where I, I, my goodness, like I can't even get through it, you know? And I think that that is, that's grief, you know, like it, it hits you in waves at random different times, you know, and it's not like it's just mm-hmm. going to necessarily get better and better. The shock absolutely will wear off, but it will mm-hmm. for sure hit you in waves at different times. And that's just kind yeah. of been my experience with it. You know what I mean? But of course, you know, I've had to wrestle with, a, oh, oh my goodness, just like the journey with God And what happened with my brother has been very interesting because I feel like at the beginning, I actually felt very, like at the very beginning, I remember being at his funeral and someone saying like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I said, you know what? Like he was struggling so much. He was suffering so much that I think this was like merciful that the Lord like took him because now like he's in heaven, like he's whole, he's not struggling like with these demons, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, like that he had Mm -hmm. like, and I really felt that way. And then like, I would be lying to say that I always felt that way. Then I went through a period, you know, where I was just like, basically like, screw that. Like God could have healed him. He could have with a snap of his fingers, he could have healed him from his mental illnesses. And Joe could have lived like a happy healthy life. Like God could do that. I believe that God could do that. You know what I mean? And like when Mm -hmm. I had kids, that was really hard for me because I felt like Joe could have been here to Mm -hmm. like meet my children. You know what I mean? And he's not. And like God could have done that, but he didn't, you know? And so like, I felt very angry and there was a long time where I felt like, I don't even understand what the, what the point of prayer is. Like, that seems like really ineffective. Like we've been praying for Joe. We were praying for Joe to be healed for all these years. And then he Mm -hmm. died. Like, that's not what we meant, you know? And so of course I went through years of feeling like really angry, really confused and just like unsure, you know? But I think just like 
being really honest with God about that is always like the best way to go. Like he can handle it, you know, like he knows anyway, and he can handle it. Us saying like, yo, I don't understand this. And I feel like I don't understand the point of prayer and all those things. Like he can handle those questions. And then I feel like over time, I have definitely gotten back to a place where I feel so strongly like Joe is in heaven and he is healed completely. And he is the best version of Mm -hmm. himself times a thousand. You know what I mean? Like a version that isn't even possible on earth, you know? And it's selfishly, of course, I wish he were still here selfishly, but for him, why would I wish that on him to be back here? You know, like where he had so many struggles, like he was a slave to his brain, you know? And so I miss him and I Mm. grieve for what could have been, you know, and I remember the good times and I wish that he could have been here, right? To meet my kids and be happy and healthy. But I also know that he was struggling so much that there's no way to know if he were still alive today, Mm -hmm. what that would look like. You know what I mean? And so I think that it's just like a daily choosing to like, even though not everything always makes sense, just like choosing like to trust that God is in control Mm -hmm. and he knows and things happen that we will not have perfect explanations Mm -hmm. for. And I think that's okay. And I think that's healthy. I don't think that we should have perfect explanations for everything because we're human, you know, like God is mysterious. God is a mystery. If you can perfectly explain all aspects of him, (laughs) you probably have problems. Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so no, I mean, that was a long answer. I'm sure there could be more to be said too. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, uh, during this season of Easter, my church has been talking a lot about suffering and different things. And, um, I ended up speaking on lamentations and it was interesting to hear about how much of the Bible Mm. is lamenting and, and grieving and being, and I mean, they grieved Mm -hmm. like sackcloth, ashes, you knew, you knew, you knew, you knew, and how like Mm -hmm. the modern North American church doesn't know how to do that. And it was really eye-opening for me too mm-hmm. about saying like, even there where you're like, sorry, that was a long answer about grief. And if I had to talk about things too, I'd be like, sorry, I maybe talked about that sad thing for too long. And it's mm. like, where do we get that from? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, did you find that so was hard true. for you sometimes oh my gosh, to it's be so true. real? Like, did you feel like you had to keep it all together in front of people? Or did you feel like open to be grieving? I totally felt. And, you know, like some of that is on me. Like I don't want to say like people put it on me that I had to keep it together. But it's like society, right? So like some of it's practically speaking. Like I literally was back being a third grade teacher one week after my brother died. And it was like, yeah, these kids are like flipping eight years old. Like, you know what I mean? Like they just like have to have a teacher that's like happy and peppy and with it. Like it's just required of me, you know? So it's like that. 
And that's not even the worst thing, like, because then it kind of distracts you. But I remember, like, I remember being at recess, watching them outside of recess, and just, like, tears streaming down my face while I'm, like, watching the kids on the swings. And then it's, like, you pull it together, and you're, like, let's Mm. go learn how to multiply. Like, you know what I mean? And you're just, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I can't even survive this, you know? But um, other things are that – so another thing that I think is, like, my personality is that I do feel like – And then, you know, especially once Mm. Joe died, then I really took on the oldest sibling role that I was already basically taking on. But so like that whole year, you know, like my sister's getting married. So we had her, my brother died in September. We had her bridal shower in October. And so I remember like going back and being like, I have to make this okay for everyone. Like that was a for sure thing that I took on. No one put that on me. But I felt like Emily deserves like a happy thrilling bridal experience and like my parents Mm -hmm. are depressed understandably so like I have to like make this okay for everybody you know and so like I remember at her shower she would open her presents and my my sister Emily she's like my mom they're very just they're just like understated people they're not like very very animated people so like Emily would open her gifts and be like oh, thank you so much. And like, for me, I knew that everyone sitting there is like watching us, like their brother slash son Mm. just died 30 days ago. You know what I mean? Like, how are these people holding it together? And I just Mm. so badly didn't want it to be a sad day. And I just like wanted it to be good. So (laughs) I was so over the top with my reactions that it was like almost comical. Like I would be like, oh my gosh, (laughs) those plates, like those are the best plates ever. Like, I love that. Like, over the, and I remember my aunt being uh, like, are you okay? Like you, like, did you take something? And I was like, I'm just yeah. like trying to keep it peppy here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it was just like, I took that on myself. And so, yeah, I feel like my poor sweet husband, I would do things like that, right? Like go, like do the bridal shower, do the bachelorette, do the whatever, you know what I mean? And be like up, 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 or be teaching all day, up, up, up. And then I would just have these... Mm. real 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 bad crashes you know what I mean and like this is a whole separate story that we don't have time for at all but basically during that year after my brother died I ended up in counseling for an eating Mm -hmm. disorder it was like a whole journey you know like so like that year I was like actually falling apart you know like from grief from an eating disorder from all of this stuff like all at once while like on the outside like you I can promise you that you would not have known. Like, I promise, like, if parents are listening to this of my students from that year, I think that they would say, like, my gosh, like, I thought that you seemed, like, totally fine, you know? Like, I really think on the outside I I really seemed fine, you know? And that's just a personality thing. It's a culture thing. It's... All of the things, you know what I mean? Because you don't want, like, if you walk around and you're showing all your true emotions and mm-hmm. people are going to feel bad for you and people are going to want to talk about it and you're like, oh, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, it's very hard mm-hmm. to navigate, you know? Yeah. It, it's hard because it's hard. I, my, a friend said that to me the other day and I'm like, yes, absolutely. And that's a good answer. You know, you don't have to tie yes. a bow around it. It's hard totally. because it's literally hard. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I asked this question not to tie a bow around it because healing, grieving, 
I really believe is an ongoing journey. But for you over the last eight years and too, mm-hmm. like in the midst of other like significant challenges, like having an eating disorder and other things happening in your family, what have mm-hmm. heal what has healing looked like for mm-hmm. you? Um, whether it's small things, whether it's big things, like what were the things that you did that were really helpful? What were things that other people did that were really helpful? And maybe too, what were things that weren't helpful? Um, yeah, just touch on that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, practically speaking, right at the beginning, like some people did like really amazing things. Like, okay, the night that my brother died, like literally it was like a Sunday evening. My husband wasn't even home. I called him. The next thing I knew, like I don't actually know what happened. The next thing I know, my two sister-in-laws, so my husband's two sisters are at my door taking Mm. us to the airport and putting us on a plane. I had nothing to do with that conversation. They just knew Mm. Caitlin needs to get home to her family. They just took it upon themselves to call the airline. They purchased two tickets for Scott and I, and they picked us up and they put us on an airplane. Like I Mm. actually don't even really have a memory of that night. Like I don't remember what I said. I don't even know if I adequately thanked them. Like I'm sure I didn't Mm. because I'm sure I wasn't even sure what was going on. Like I actually like came across probably as like a drugged person. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't remember any of that. And it's like that is meeting someone's need in the moment. Like they weren't like calling me like – what do you want to do? Do you want to go home? Do you want to go tonight? Would you rather wait till tomorrow? Which airport? Like, I couldn't have answered any of those questions. They just did it. They just handled it. And like, oh my gosh, like what a blessing is that just to be like, this is what this girl needs. She needs to get home to her family. So we're doing it. And like my work friends, I didn't like being absent and not leaving <laughs> subplans is the meanest thing you could ever do as a teacher. And like, that is what I did. Like, I just didn't show up to work for a week. And like my teammates, the people I worked mm. with just figured it out. They just went into my classroom and just figured it out. They just like found something for the children to do. I don't know. You know what I mean? And like, I had a best friend that was teaching a different grade. She came in during the week, had my students like made me this like book like with all these like letters and like people just did things. You know, when we got home off the plane, Scott and I were um, involved in a church plant at the time. And our fridge was just like filled with meals that they made. They got together. They made like a lasagna. They made like chili, that whatever. And our fridge was just full of it. So it's like mm-hmm. someone handled all the logistics of travel. Someone handled food for me when I got home. Someone handled my job for me when I was away. Like I didn't have to deal with any of that stuff. So like that is like a beautiful way to help someone. You know what I mean? Like that's been through a thing is like, don't call them and like ask them like, what can I do for you? Cause they're not going to say, you know, what would be great if you could fill my fridge (laughs) Mm -hmm. with food. Like they're not going to say that, you know what I mean? Like, but just like do it. Just like Mm -hmm. think of something that you know they're going to need and just do it, you know? Um, so those things were like amazing. What was the other part of the question? Mm Mm-hmm. Unhelpful things. Yeah. So I think that it's hard. It's so hard when people, and like, I get it because I'm so guilty of this. Okay. When people that I know go through hard things, I feel the need because I have a talking problem where I'm long winded and I feel like dead air is like uncomfortable and I don't want there to be awkward silences. So I like fill the air with something, you know, and it's like, actually, 
That's not what people need. People are so well-intentioned. But saying things like, God has a plan, the Lord knew, he's in a better place, Mm. or like, God needed another angel, you know, like those like little cutesy things that we say, like in the moment are likely not going to land well. Maybe they will, you know what I mean? But likely they're not going to land well, you know, because it just kind of feels like, well, great. Like this was God's plan. Mm. That friggin' sucks. Like Mm -hmm. it's not a great plan then, you know? So I really do think that those things also like something people say very consistently is stay strong. What is that? Like, it's almost like you're putting pressure on someone that's like going through something like stay Mm -hmm. strong. And you're like, okay, you know? And so, and again, people mean well, like, and this is, and I promise 100% promise. I'm not thinking of like a certain particular person that said something dumb. Like I don't remember, like I said, like I've actually blocked out that six months of my life. Like I remember very little. So it's like, no, I'm not thinking of a specific person. I just know that there were times where people would just like throw these trite little things at you and you're just like, okay, you know, things that were comforting were just when people were like, this is awful. I am so sorry. I'm here for you, you know? And like, that's it. And you just felt like they understand. They're not putting pressure on me to like talk if I don't want to talk or like say something if I don't want to, you know, it's just like, they're acknowledging like, this is horrible. Mm -hmm. And they're saying mm-hmm. that they're here for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's it's so funny how, again, Ainsley has talked about um, stuff she's learning at school and, like, suffering and preaching and all these other things. Like, we in the West are not good at handling hard things like that. In the East, they got a no. lot better handle on it than we do. Yeah. Yeah, we, totally. yeah, we just get uncomfortable with it when it's not yeah. us going through it and we don't necessarily know how to, it's like, I want to mm-hmm. help you, but I don't know what's helpful. And then I'm just going to sputter, like guilty, yeah, easily guilty. But. Oh, me. Absolutely. And it's like, even yes. me having gone through this major like grief type of thing, even me, it's not like that has now made me like so comfortable with grief that like if anybody I know mm-hmm. has someone in their life mm-hmm. that dies, I'm like, oh, I got this. No. Like I still get stressed. Like I'm like, oh, okay. What should we say? What should we do? Because if I drop off food, yeah. I don't want them to think that they have to mm-hmm. talk to me. Like I think through all these things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's still stressful. Like grief is stressful for the onlooker too, because you're just like, I so badly want to say something or do something helpful and I don't want to do anything hurtful, but it's hard to know. And everyone's different. You know, there are some people that would take well to something and Mm -hmm. other people that wouldn't, you know, so it is hard. Yeah. I think just being okay with things being uncomfortable, like it just, it just is uncomfortable. It's not, and I think like it's not God's original design for the world. Like we have mm-hmm. to live through that reality. And and so sometimes you just sit and, you know, mm-hmm. even like what you said, you're like, I don't know, but I know that there's healing. And so I, I keep moving, right? You just keep yeah. going. And like you said, it's still there. I don't know what exactly, but um, yeah, Absolutely. that's, that's really interesting. I wonder if you could just touch a little bit on like maybe your your faith formation through some of this. You talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, this season, we're kind of like looking back and saying like, mm-hmm. where was God evident in your life through the difficult circumstances and all the circumstances? Um, and even just to hear like, it's an interesting journey because you're like, you know, my brother died eight years ago. 
but that's not the whole, that's not the whole picture. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, this was my normal and maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't so normal. And that mm-hmm. was what we lived and experienced mm-hmm. though. And this is how I did it. And, and to kind of grow up and obviously hindsight, you look back and you can say eight years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you understand it all better. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, how is God maybe forming you and, and, and forming your faith and your understanding of him through that whole big picture? Mm -hmm. It's so interesting because, um, my sister and I had a conversation Mm -hmm. where we were like, we felt very similarly where, We felt like after Joe died and that journey after, like it was very, very hard for me, like spiritually. Not, and I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I walked away from my faith or whatever, but I had times in there where I genuinely felt like God, like, Mm. how could you let this happen to us? You know, like how could you, like his life was so hard and then it ended so tragically. Like this is a horrible story. Like where is the redemption in this story? There's none, you know, and it just felt like so hopeless, so sad and just so like depressing, you know? And I struggled with that. I really, really did. And I felt like though, there was so many times where it was obvious that God like had not left us and that his hand was in it, you know, and there was just like so many things like through my journey then of healing, like through the eating disorder stuff and then my husband and I moving back to New Jersey and like, we had like literally no plan. We just wanted to be back here near the family. And like he, like the Lord like rolled out just like a red carpet for us. Like we literally drove back with like a couch and a mattress and no jobs. And like within a few months we had like amazing jobs on the same street. Like it was like this weird, like amazing thing where the Lord provided. And, you know, over the years I just felt more and more just like, thankful that Joe wasn't suffering anymore. And I really, really did feel that way. But the biggest turning point, I think for me was a year ago, my mom got diagnosed with a brain tumor. It was like a freak, freak situation where she was diagnosed with COVID a year ago. So we were like doing this whole quarantining thing, like blah, blah, blah. And then she, you know, we thought she was having complications from COVID. So she got taken to the hospital and then they called us and said like, she has a huge tumor in her brain. And it was like, it was like the, the most dramatic. It felt like Mm -hmm. the night that Joe died all over again, where we were just like, how is this happening? Like we were beside ourselves and that night, like when she, when they told us that and we couldn't see her because of COVID, like I was terrible. And I remember saying to my husband, like, I can't go through this again. I can't go through this again. Like, I felt like I was hyperventilating and I was like, I cannot do this again. Like, I can't do this again. Like, I'll, I'm not going to survive this. I'm not going to survive this. And literally within hours, I felt like, not that it was easy, but a supernatural power like came upon our family and it was very hard. We still cried a lot. It was very stressful. A few weeks later, we found out that it wasn't a benign tumor. Like it was a fast, aggressive brain cancer that had a very low survival rate and a horrible, horrible statistics surrounding it. Like it felt like the absolute worst case scenario. But I just remember feeling surprised that I didn't feel hopeless. 
And after a few weeks, my sister and I talked about it and like she felt the same way. And we were both like, it was very strange because I couldn't explain it. I couldn't put words to it, but I felt this like very supernatural, inexplicable, outside of myself, like ability to like not feel hopeless, to not feel like I was falling apart, depressed. Like I felt like God is in this with us. I do not know how this is going to end, but I do not feel alone. I feel like God is with us. We genuinely felt held up by people's prayers. And I meant that. Like I never understood it before. People are like, I could feel your prayers. I was always like, you just say that because you grew up in Sunday school and that's the right answer. Like you don't even know what the heck you're saying. And Mm. like for the first time I was like, oh my gosh, I get it. Like I really felt it. Like I genuinely was like, I feel like almost like I should be falling apart more than I am. Like we felt carried through that time. And my mom Mm. is a miracle to this day. Everything from that horrible day of finding out about the brain tumor and then finding out that the prognosis was awful. Every single appointment after that was good news. Was, okay, actually like, we're able to get her into this like clinical trial that like her tumor is like the exact makeup that would need in order to get into this trial. And oh. it happens to be in New York City, which is driving distance from us because that was another thing. You know, if they have like an amazing clinical trial mm-hmm. in Japan, okay, how are you getting there? Like this is COVID, like who's paying for that? You know what I mean? Like that's a whole thing. So it was like literally in New York City, which is one hour from us, you know, and we knew someone who knew this doctor. So like it was just like crazy connections. And then she responded really well to the first round of chemo. And like, she Mm. never even like threw up, you know what I mean? Like she, I'm not trying to say it was like a cakewalk for her because it wasn't, but it could Mm. have been so much worse. And always they were like, wow, like you're actually responding really well to the radiation. Wow. You're really responding really well to the chemo. Like, and every single appointment was like a little bit of good news. And we just felt like this is a miracle, you know? And I, and I want to be careful saying this because I don't want to make it sound like, Mm. and if my mom, if it hadn't been good news, if my mom had died, then I wouldn't have any faith. And then that means that the, you know, that the prayers weren't working or whatever. You know what I mean? Because like I said, God is a mystery. We don't understand like things happen in this world, but it just was such an obvious difference right? When Joe died, I remember just feeling confused, helpless, depressed, like, God, what are you doing? Why is this happening? I don't even think Mm. like that none of this makes sense to me, you know? And that was like a long climb out of that hole. And then this happened with my mom. And like the very first day I was like, I cannot survive this. And then like from that day on, Mm. I didn't feel that way anymore. You know, like Mm. I genuinely felt like I was being carried by people's prayers, like Mm -hmm. through this like very challenging time. Does that make sense? And it's like, again, like as you're saying those things, like difficult, difficult seasons in my life are coming to play. I'm like, God, you're so good. Like what I, I don't know, suffering is so bizarre, right? Because for me, I'd be like, yep, I would go through that again where I am at today. Other things, I'm sure people would not say that. You know what I mean? Like, I would not trade the death of my child for me to Mm -hmm. have gained character and wisdom and whatever else, right? But in all of it, like, 
God's grace totally. and goodness. Yeah. Like the the piece of scripture that's coming to mind is like Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Every single thing that we have and is met in mm, him. Yeah. And so that's just like loud and clear to me as mm-hmm. you're, as you're sharing that, Caitlin, like difficult, difficult stuff. And how is your mom doing like today? Like, is she doing well? Okay. She's doing really oh. well. Like she's literally at a wedding right now, like dressed up, <laughs> like looking gorgeous. Like literally last night, my sister Emily was like, I bought you these fake eyelashes, you know? Mm. So like, she's, you would never, ever, ever know. Now, like, again, I want to honor mm-hmm. the fact that, like, it's obviously not perfect for her. She's still on some meds where she's, like, it does make her feel sluggish. Of course, she doesn't totally feel like herself. She did lose her hair, you know. So, like, that's, mm-hmm. you know, obviously really hard, especially for a woman. But, like, it's growing back. There's no signs of cancer in her brain. She's not on chemo right now. Wow. And there's no plans for her to have to go back on chemo as of now. So, like, truly, 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 it is a miracle. And her doctors Mm. are even like, wow. Like she's been an encouragement to them because think about it. Like if you dedicate your life to brain cancer, that's a really depressing career, you know, where they, they're not getting a ton of hopeful stories Mm -hmm. and like, they've been encouraged Mm -hmm. by her, you know, which is awesome. So we're so thankful. We're glad to hear that. That's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, This has been so good, Caitlin. I feel like we could just chat for like several hours, (laughs) really. Well, you yeah. guys are so easy to yeah. talk to. I could talk we forever. We have for one real. more question for you. We <laughs> ask all of our guests, what is the best piece yes. of advice you've been given? Ooh, the best piece of advice that I've been given is probably, um, okay, something my husband says all the time is work in your strengths mm-hmm but work on your weaknesses. And so like, I remember, I think about that all the time because it's like, listen, like work in your strengths. Like if you're like a really like organized person, you like to talk, you would like, then like do things that like go with those gifts. You know what I mean? Like don't force yourself to be like a flipping, (laughs) I don't know, like CrossFit competitor when you're like, Mm -hmm. that doesn't sound fun to me at all. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do that. You know, like do things that work in your strengths, but work on your weaknesses. Like if you know that you struggle to like be sensitive or whatever the thing is, you know what I mean? Like work on it, you know, but recognize the places where you've been like naturally gifted and you're naturally strong and like do things Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. Good. work through that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. That's a good one. Uh, All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been, <laughs> yeah, just a treat. It's wonderful to to call you an internet friend now. and A real friend. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love talking yeah. to you guys. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Your heart, this has your been Your story, so fun. your vulnerability, it's, it's a gift to us and to everyone who listens. So thank you for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's just give you a chance to to plug your your podcast oh, and yeah. whatever. Where do people find you if they want to hear more? Oh, thanks. All right. So yeah, my podcast is So What Else? So you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we are on Instagram at so.what.else or I'm Caitlin Grace 20 on Instagram and my website is CaitlinElliott.com. So you can just find all the stuff at those places. 
So, you know, we have a new podcast every Monday. We just talk about different things. So basically it's like a storytelling podcast. People come on, share their story. Um, so we've had like some heavy things like about, you know, like divorce, loss, grief, but we also talk about like the zombie apocalypse and like what leggings are. <laughs> yes. So, you know, you get it all. Amazing. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much. The next time we're in New Jersey, we'll, we'll hit you by. up. <laughs> next time you're yes. in Ontario, stop by. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> no, for real. Like my husband and I, want to get up to Camp Minioe. Yeah. So if I'm ever there, Let us know. we'll meet you. I will yeah. you up. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so I much. Thanks guys so much. Woo. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations like this coming out every single Monday. So you don't want to miss them. So make sure you subscribe, follow all that good stuff on whatever podcast platform you're on. Again, all of our United States friends, we love to know who you are. Show yourself. <laughs> Janky Jen is out today. I just want you to know I can sing better than that, but no. Anyways, until next time. <laughs> <laughs>